Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflow and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that, that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT 2.0, oh. AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with the the quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review the Raw after WrestleMania, it seems. <laughs> it was a bit late, a few weeks late, but it was a surreal one last night, Hamlet. Raw after WrestleMania was exactly what I thought about. Not so much in that um, early 2010s era where you'd get big surprise comebacks, although we did technically have a couple of those tonight. But in that um, arrangement of the main event where a bunch of people, this used to be the case where a bunch of people from WrestleMania matches the night before, not the stars, not the actual stars, but the full-timers that had been matches that you could position against one another would work a 10-man. And it would generally send the fans home happy rather than just bored and confused why they bothered spending an extra night in the town. This was that, plus those returns that we talked about, and indeed in a couple of them cases we were able to preview them and speculate and how it all came together. Overall, it came together as... Not only not a terrible broadcast, but in an odd way, quite a nice one. The only problem was, <laughs> you can't recognise WWE when it's nice, because they're being nice to somebody that for years we were told was just one of the most awful people to be around in the locker room. It's so strange. We bemoan WWE for never being nice enough to the people that we would like them to be mm-hmm. nice to. It just doesn't feel like a nice place to work, especially in contrast to AEW that over and over and again has proven rather nice. They were super nice last night to the guy who used to shake people's hands with his spunk like, through his fingers. Like, that man that used to thread his semen through yours, if you met him, was given this sort of hero's evening, this celebration balloons and all that. And I just... That's why I didn't feel as nice as other shows would. I'm going to be the low guy, obviously, on (laughs) the returns. I'm just going to have a neat little introductory rant about the returns. I mean, you and the live crowds, to be fair to you. (laughs) You are? You and the live crowds, to be fair to you. There's not like that we... Babs, Babs... The return or the debut on the Raw after WrestleMania, before everything kind of changed stylistically and mm-hmm. the new competitor emerged and all the rest of it, when there was still hope is what I'm arriving at here, <laughs> is that they would return some guy or debut someone with the idea being, great, I like this person, I have investment in this act, I really want to see what they can do for the next chapter of their really cool career that's actually worth you know buying into. And then all these careers pretty much got killed, and the the luster of the return of the debut kind of dampened. This really isn't that. This is, hey, here's a hot new return. It's a guy that we didn't really want to book for ages. It's a guy who maybe 
if you're cynical, you could infer was asked to do something he wasn't remotely comfortable with, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we've got very little else and the ratings are in a nosedive, so here he is. Or here's someone who might have been injured, might not have. Realistically, this is sort of consistent with the way we've booked her very sporadically. Sometimes it's just a star, sometimes just not. Here she is, it's just a star again. It's like, ah, oh, it doesn't pass the smell test with me, if I'm being perfectly honest. It's absolutely impossible to get hyped up about it. The returns! I don't, I don't care. And the reason why I don't care, and I'm a little bonus, because I'm not a goldfish. However, there were certain elements of the show that I liked despite being awful. Which, okay. we'll, which we'll get to. That's a hell of a tease. Well, let's dive straight into it then. Uh, the show opened, yes, with the uh, celebration of Randy Orton's 20-year career with WWE. Riddle welcomed us to Monday Night Raw. Uh, and there was all the Raw roster around the ring for some reason. Uh, Seth Rollins was the only one grumpy, sat by commentary in his big green suit. Uh, and there was a video package, of course, for Randy Orton uh, showing his debut against Hardcore Holly, where, surprise, surprise, he stole one. Um, his career with and time in Evolution, world title win, le- legend killer stuff, title reigns, and now, of course, concluding with him in this surreal tag team with Rid Riddle and how that all began and where it's got him to. Uh, and then Riddle introduced him and Orton comes out and the crowd love him and chant for him. Uh, and Orton Priest says he th- thanks Riddle and he mentioned that he was actually born right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, so he was, he was really enjoying the fact that they were doing this here tonight. Uh, he said there's been a lot of ups and downs. That's a lawsuit. Um, but he uh, hoped the fans weren't getting sick of him. He isn't going anywhere for a long time. <sighs> Uh, Anyway, he said he had a lot of great moments uh, and great matches and and histories and feuds with the likes of John Cena, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, The Undertaker, and Mick Foley. You remember to mention him. Yeah, worth a mention. Everyone does. Done done things for some people's careers. Very prominent things for very prominent people. Sacrificed his body, some might say. Some might say, I do like it when Mick Foley gets the acknowledgement he deserves, not just for carrying wrestlers through difficult periods, but for saving their entire runs and transforming their legacy. I can't believe that I would say that somebody could learn a thing or two from Randy Orton, but here we are. Mm. Uh, And he said, furthermore, it was because of Mick Foley that he became the legend killer. And he mentioned Triple H and Flair as well. Um, And he said he's right now having more fun than he's ever had. And that's all because of Riddle. And he says, I love you, man. And they hug. Uh, And Orton says the fans have have always supported him through everything that they've gone through. Uh, He loved them all as well. And Riddle says, Randy, I got a surprise for you. Uh, it's a man who, who looked up to Orton and once considered him a friend. And it was Cody Rhodes who got the big entrance and came down and hugged Randy Orton. Lovely moment between the two of them. And Riddle acted a little bit jealous, of course. Uh, and Rollins, this this is the, this is the, he's had enough now. He grabs a mic and he says, nah, I'm not doing this, bollocks. It's not about you, Cody. You know, he warns Orton not to trust Cody Rhodes. He says, he's just trying to steal your spotlight. Uh, and uh, he said, look... Tonight is about you, Orton, but you're the past. You're not the present. You're not the future. Uh, you're not going to inspire any of the next generation. It's all going to be inspired by me, not not you, Randy, not Cody Rhodes, not Riddle. Uh, and speaking of the new generation, he was interrupted then by Ezekiel. He is, of course, Elias's younger brother, and he said as the newest superstar on the roster, he wanted to introduce himself to Randy Orton, and he said, I remember the time me and my older brother Elias would sit and watch The Legend Killer, and then... This brings out Kevin Owens, who thankfully wasn't just stood like a spare prick at a wedding at ringside. He marched through the crowd with a mic and said, no, this guy's spouting a load of bollocks. You're not Ezekiel, you're Elias. And 
Seth Rollins is just sort of poking and prodding at uh, Ezekiel's face during all this. It's a big old promo train, basically. Choo-choo! Owen's ranting, uh, then brings out the Usos, who says, oh, yeah, what a legend Randy Orton is. What's your favorite moment of his career, Us? And he says, well, it's actually when we take the titles and unify them at WrestleMania Backlash in a couple of weeks, basically. And this brings out Postman Pierce, because there's eight men in the ring. Surprise, surprise. And he announces an eight-man tag match for the main event of the evening. It is going to be Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and the Usos uh, versus Cody Rhodes, Ezekiel, Riddle, and the man of the moment, Randy Orton. And the segment ends, Michael Sidgwick, with Owens chinning Ezekiel, so Orton hit him with an RKO. I was quite unbelievably impressed by something I hate yeah. so much. And I'm actually hate is such a strong word, and I'm just incredibly numb to and bored of it at this point. It's trite. It's the same way they formatted and booked this terrible television show for the entire 21st century. But the fact that they did it to build an eight-man tag in virtually everyone involved in this eight-man tag is really over to varying degrees, either on an ironic, this isn't anywhere near as bad as I think level in terms of Ezekiel, to actual bona fide stars in terms of Cody Rhodes and RK Bro, and I don't really see it, but the WWE Universe does with Seth Rollins to a degree, Mm -hmm. so I'll give them a pass on that. They booked a impromptu, what else was going to be scheduled for the main event, eight-man tag, and yet everyone in the ring was over, everyone got a reaction, it felt like actual stars interacting under the absolute worst template and trope imaginable, but there were people who were over, and this was a segment that, if nothing else, underscored that they've done some actually good things in more than one area over the past however mm. like many weeks or months. And I'll say one thing about Randy Orton. He's never been more over, and what's funny about this, and also bittersweet because obviously the rest of the show more or less is chock full of absolutely horrendous artificial synthetic scripted promos is that he communicated to the crowd like a real human being and funnily enough (laughs) he's been doing that for however many months and that's what's really gotten him over he's at the highest level of his career and he's had more championships you'll never in your life um list chronologically every Randy orton wwe world and uh, world heavyweight title win chronologically mate i could barely list all of them anyway let alone chronologically more over than he's ever been despite all of these paper accomplishments because he's really feeling like the real randy orton in that ring and that is what wrestling should be and it's bittersweet because it'll take the rest of them 20 years (laughs) if they're lucky which they won't be to arrive at this moment at which randy orton's enjoying the man is as over or more over than he's ever been you know what it took you know what it only took 20 years of establishing a character, <laughs> 20 years of establishing a character, then playing against it, and then getting it over more than he's ever been. Like, what does that tell you truly about the legacy of Randy Orton? Indeed. And and, it's, and even in terms of, oh, what was the main event going to be, which was, of course, going to be... These nuts. Um, I thought, <laughs> at least you've got... In, I know they never dealt with this, but in headcanon, maybe I'm doing a little bit too much legwork for them here. You th- I Don't do any. Well, I thought, because it's a Randy Orton championship celebration, feasibly they could have said, oh, well, what we had planned, and they didn't acknowledge this or anything. They never did. But what they could have said is what we had planned was was uh, Randy Orton was going to pick his opponent and just have a match, or, or RK-Bro were going to have a match with a team that they fancied facing because we're all here to sh- celebrate Randy Orton. So, actually, it's fine because we would have probably you allocated that made something up in your head. 100%. Shut up. But, because, but that's because of what you mentioned there in terms of this was the... 
best version of one of their worst things. Is yeah, there's, like, there's loads of stars interacting in nice, different, assorted ways, like Cody Rhodes and Randy Orton. Somehow I'm kind of into that, having watched them interact as these versions of themselves, somehow. And Ezekiel pops me a little bit. I love the, the stupid knowing exposition. Exposition is one of my least favorite things. You all know this. Knowing exposition. It's a running gag. The more he says, my brother Elias, yeah. makes it more and more difficult to believe that, in fact, he's not Elias, but <laughs> just makes it funnier. That's the joke. Yeah. It's really good. I think it's a good thing he's popping us because he's clearly popping somebody in Gorilla as well, isn't it? Because it was like, adrenaline in my soul. Get out of the way. It's Ezekiel. <laughs> like, Cody got like Steve Austin at Raw 25. He's like, you know, hug him. Now get, get out of the way because Ezekiel's going to do his bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with Cedric. This was the, so the criteria that like, I like to rank these WWE cartoons on at this point is how much these characters could interact with a character that isn't in their storyline because it almost never happens mm. because they're so one-dimensional. You can't lift a character out of the thing they're doing and put them anywhere else. And when you can, it feels like a collector's item. Like the rare cases it's happened on like SmackDown with certain wrestlers. We saw it with Sami Zayn a little bit this week, for example. And yet there was eight of them in the ring and they were doing it. There was individual feuds and programs. This would be like the old-fashioned setup to a Survivor Series match in the era before Brand Warfare because if you had not necessarily feuds that were well-built, but characters that you understood, the idea should be that everyone is well-drawn enough that you can place them anywhere mm. and they can interact with some of those other wrestlers. You can never do that in WWE, and they, found they did it eight times. And yeah, and when they were doing it and more people were coming in and interrupting, I was going, wait a second, they, that's a babyface, 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 babyface. There's two heels there, and there's another team that wants to... It, like, it, it all made complete sense. Well, it made enough. Very rare for WWE. Yeah, like, you say it made complete sense, and then we all, like, you know, and it is worth sort of mentioning analytically, it makes sense until you realise, well, yeah, what was the main event going to be? Or how competent is this authority figure for picking a moment? Whew, stroke a look. It, like, the numbers worked out for me. Like, that continues to make zero sense and never will, but it makes the absolute most sense that it can do in this uh, context. Yeah, yeah, in WWE's context. Sorry, just going back as well. I was like... You know, if you're not, if you don't accept my argument of maybe they had some big thing that they were going to do for Randy Orton, or Randy Orton was going to do an open challenge or whatever, I was like, I'll look to see what the previous match would have been in terms of like, well, if that's that's what was going to go on last, and they just put it earlier, and then I realised, oh uh, yeah, Mustafa Ali versus The Miz wasn't booked either, so we have to go all the way back to Damien Priest versus Finn Balor. I mean, and we've had plenty of goes of that before. They hope yeah. for like, want the 25-minute match to become 45-minute But who knows? Maybe the main event was going to be what came next, which was three championship matches back-to-back. Back. Uh, before we talk about that, though, let's talk about the reaction to uh, Kane, a.k.a. Glenn Jacobs, who was chatting with Bianca Belair before she came out for a match. There was a couple of times on this show where they attempted to use um, Kane's presence as returning hometown hero wrestler without thinking about the fact that he's become a hugely divisive hometown politician. <laughs> and I, for one, am thrilled with that because they're like me and Sidgwick were talking in the office. I'd like, cause I don't even know how much to what extent it's going to come in this review. There's a couple of weeks now where they've tried to use the old lesbian pollen to get a pop and WWE fans are in front of WWE. Like they're not impressed by it. They're not going to, Oh, girls kissing. They're not bothered. They're not bothered. And now I didn't know. I watched the YouTube highlights of the, the, the uh, wedding from yeah. last week. They got all that, you know, did they, well, they caught right, all of it. Okay, like, and then they showed us the recap later on in the show, which I sense we're not bringing to get talk that much to talk about. But and, and I went, what's all this? And they were like, oh, what if two girls married each other and two guys? I was like, yep. Yeah, it's great that the fans refuse to be wowed by this. It's even better that they refuse to be wowed by Kane, especially ones that feel maybe affected by his strange and like IMO. We're not the BBC here, so I can say this without a disclaimer, but some idiots don't seem to realise that. 
policies that I would imagine to be absolutely terrible and inhumane. Mm. Unless they thought it was just corporate came backstage. Because oh. it was when Glenn Jacobs getting here. <laughs> anyway, so we got the uh, the triple title match, basically. It was Bianca Belair defending the Raw Women's Championship uh, against Sonya Deville. Uh, and I still need to take a victory lap here because we said there was going to be no result. And there was twice. There was just a final result at the end of it all. So basically, uh, the first match... Who won then? Saw, uh, <laughs> saw Sonya Deville get chucked over the announce table early on and uh, immediately get counted out. Very quick 10 count by the rest. So stupidly contrived. Um, and then Sonia Bill jumps on the mic and says, oh, no, actually, there's, there's water out here. Uh, we're going to have a match restarted and uh, we're going to make it a no count out match. Uh, so they get back in the ring for another like minute uh, and they're brawling around ringside and, and Bianca Belair is getting pulled by her hair or what have you. Sonia Bill just grabs a chair and twats her with it. Course, the referee calls for a DQ, uh, and she says, Sonia Deville, that is, uh, that Belair used her we- used a weapon, aka her hair, first, so that shouldn't count either. And the third match was going to be a no count out, no DQ match. Uh, and as soon as the bell rings for that, uh, Deville signals for Carmella and Queen Zelina uh, <laughs> to come out and help. And they, you know, they use the numbers game to beat up Bianca Belair, but she's mint, so she eventually fights him off after a break. Um, there is a moment where Sonya Deville manages to reverse a move from Belair, send her face first into the turnbuckle, and then DDT her onto a steel chair for a near fall. But in the end, Belair uh, knocks uh, Coinsalina and Carmella off the apron, knocks them out of the ring, uh, and hits uh, Sonya Deville with a KOD. One, two, three. She defended the women's title three times, Michael Hamflet. I have very little emotional response to any of this. This grotesque acceleration of a once wonderful idea from over the edge of 1998, like through a 2022 WWE lens. We've just seen, like Bianca Belair won clean in a match. Like this is WWE's version of Nyla Rose and Lance Archer. This, this turd of a segment, basically this bit masquerading as a match is their version of having a monster that the champion's got to defeat to, to get rolling as champion. Uh, it's why nobody gets rolling as champion. It's why so few people, Bianca Belair, will be a star through her own ability and force of will. Like, she is simply too good at this. As many people are in WWE, too good at this to fail even within their system. And you see, it's odd how the cream does rise to the top, but it isn't helped by the system itself. They just have to fight their way through. Uh, this was piss poor. This was absolute nonsense from end to end. And yet the the history books, as I say, will reflect that Bianca Belair was easily successful in her first defense of the title against, like, a meaningless opponent and a, a meaningless droogs. It's just, as, it's impossible to feel anything for it, but they've they've done the basics, I guess. Oh, God. I saw a lot of praise directed towards this Raw, and the only thing, I'm going to be a stick in the mud, I don't give a toss. Yes, they've done some good stuff, enough to make, enough to put lipstick on the pig of the opening segment promo train, right? I did acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But if you count the amount of tropes the amount of absolutely risible bollocks they've been doing throughout this entire literal century across the first 40 minutes of the show. A celebration of Randy Orton has been there for 20 years. A promo train. An impromptu match made for the main event. An authority figure using her power to abuse her position. Uh, losing two matches fair and square. Doing a third match, right, in which she relies on the interference of two heels. No one comes out to help Bianca Belair. She's got no mates. Not even she's got more mates in the stands than she does in the back. And she's the hometown hero. She's still got no mates. She's still a geek. Yes, she wins. Whoop de doo. And then in the post match, Sonya Deville is captured 
um, at the top of the ramp with the facial expression that's meant to convey to the viewer this isn't over. Yeah. Well, it is. It's over three times. <laughs> yeah. It's over three times. So rematch. I mean, I mean, she's not. It's not over. So she rematch city. No need for any rematches. Authority figure. Baby faces have no friends. Um, impromptu main events. Promo trains. Like this is. Hideous television. Um, and Except some of it's a little bit more over than it has been for the past two years. Before Kamala and Corey Graves went off to get married and have honeymoon, uh, Zelina Vega and Kamala split up. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I was they, about to mention that. Split up, uh, Zelina Vega made an allusion to having sex with Corey Graves, so they were fighting over cack, and they, they split. That was uh, done. No, con- no continuity. That's another thing yeah. that yeah. this company's rubbish at. And then they uh, were in the back, again, sort of unified as a team, uh, arguing about what had just happened. Uh, and DeVille told them, well, you screwed up my title chance, so you're not getting one of yours. Um, and uh, Queen Zelina's not happy. And so uh, <laughs> Sonia DeVille, sla- good two really good slaps, I will say that. Just slap the taste out of her mouth. And Carmella goes to hit her, and Sonia DeVille catches the arm and sort of says, you know, don't forget who I am. And uh, then slaps Carmella even harder, drops her with a slap, and she says, I'm still the boss. What like? So what are they going for here? They... Either they just want to make her a sub Stephanie McMahon figure. Years and years after that very trope was rendered devastating to mid carders everywhere. Like you got slapped by Stephanie McMahon, that was you. Don't finished. forget main eventers and main eventers. <laughs> like, everybody devastating to everybody on this roster. Or worse, and I think this is worse. They ask, they watch you like watch Stephanie uh, Stephanie McMahon. They watch Sonya Deville lose three times easily. Clown loser idiot. And then you do a segment backstage, be like, actually, you need to fear me. You need to worry about me. Like, don't mess her up, square up. Don't mess with Sonya Deville. Why? Why should I worry about that? I just watched it easily beaten. Mm. Like, easily three times. What, you, what, what, what are we supposed to take from that? I have no idea. Uh, we go, <laughs> <laughs> we've got uh, Edge and Damien Priest next. Uh, he's in I his... want to do that laugh for every person who does a maniacal laugh, by the way. Okay. He's uh he's in his it'd be like running gag. He's uh, he's in a purple chair. He's in his purple chair backstage, uh, and he's spouting his bollocks. It's a fast becoming Bray Wyatt promos, by the way, in terms of my write up of them. If you hadn't done a voice here, I wouldn't. I'm gonna really be nice to a tiny bit of this. Bray Wyatt x every heel dissing the local sports team. Mm. So we imagine the fiend going, "Hey, the Nets suck." <laughs> yeah, and then you've got Edge. As I sit there in my shack and I think. I don't care much for your mayor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he uh, he talked about his mountain omnipotence and kicking people down it, and he talked about Finn being executed and Priest finishing his business, uh, and he said, oh, I don't want to worry about you people. Th- we, we, me and Priest, we got concerned caring about what you people think, uh, but you're the sort of people who do like this team around here, and you're the sort of people who shamble out and vote for Kane, basically. Good. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I was, like, place. I was like, oh, I think I might be on Edge's side here. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then he just did an impression. So obviously, I mean. Why are you wearing suits now and all these big newfangled words? Using purple lights, that's the Undertaker thing. It's blasphemy. I thought it was quite good, this promo, actually. Nobody ever, ever said that in their criticism of this Edge character, did they? Ever. I mean, I tweeted about the blue light, but that was a funny if you If it was a more accurate yeah. um, mocking of the criticisms, it would be something like along the lines of, uh, why do you think I'm cringe? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, why is it a new fiend? Why can't they draw numbers on any TV show? <laughs> uh, and he said, oh, what's with that goddamn thing in his forehead? <laughs> why has he got a stool? <laughs> 
Has he just watched his first Stanley Kubrick film? <laughs> you seen, by the way, you seen the latest thing that they're getting pissed off about on on. Why online? is it taking Beth Phoenix so long to run in? Why is she waiting for music? <laughs> they're angry about the the the. Why is there? <laughs> They're angry about the dick vein being gone from the Snickers. You seen this? Yeah, it's on Edge's head. Yeah, that's what, I was say. that's what reminded me. Is that like one of the adverts that says, "You're a nightmare, dick vein, when you're hungry," and then they give him the Snickers, and his head just goes flat again. <laughs> it looks like he's had Botox. And he says, anyway, he says, "We're better than your favourites. Chew on that, but you probably won't like it because it's not a cheeseburger or a bag of chips." They had a conversation about chips yesterday, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when Daniel Bryan? Sold that burger by burying that burger. Yes. But like, what a just, what a peak of a promo that they can never reach ever again when they bring up stuff like fatty foods and that. Everything he's saying is right. It offends me that he's saying it because I want the burger. Yeah. I, I want it. Yeah. Uh, and he just said, choke it down because it's true. And he says, where's AJ? Uh, and they showed the thing. I, I didn't even realize they beat him down afterwards where they did the lightning in do- indoors and then beat the sh- AJ having to sell it like Vince McMahon when Austin Theory's music playing. What the hell's going on? Light it is, you're fine. He said, uh, what, is he using the jury duty excuse? Or maybe he's tending to that shoulder that we attacked last week and uh, banged on about the shoulder and what he was going to do to him at WrestleMania Backlash and blah, blah, blah. And then they said, uh, Damien Priest said, Finn's guilt has been determined. I am the punisher and Finn's judgment day has arrived. Right. All indulgent nonsense aside, and there was loads, and it overwhelmed the entire promo as it is this entire character and Edge's misunderstanding. Wait, he's probably not misunderstanding why he's rubbish, but the people that are telling him to say this nonsense are... There was an element of this that was absolutely fine, and it was proper, like the teacher talking to the kid and being like, I'm sticking up for you in that staff room. I feel like I want to come at this podcast and say, listen, guys, Edge has just applied a little bit of psychology to that terribly boring WrestleMania match and what he intends to do in the future based on something that happened with him and AJ Styles in the past. I genuinely appreciated that. Like, they might have tacked that on. They might have spotted it and gone back to it. It might not have been something that they planned for, but why not? That's pro wrestling. They are wrestlers. He comes to work to wrestle matches, not sit in a big chair and learn how to teleport. And I just thought, just for a split second, as we do, you know, fair criticism when it's House of Black and you're like, can you just get to the point of the matches? Like, if you're just setting your promos, we're going to beat you in a trios match because we kick fucking ass. Hmm. Like, I'd understand that more than the nonsense you come out with. But it gets lost. Like, all that gets lost because the rest of it was, was crap. But that bit I liked and I wanted to isolate that. Just that he said, he, he talked a lot about how uh, when he first came back at the Royal Rumble 2020, he injured AJ's shoulder. Ah, yes. So yes, that yes. was why he targeted it at WrestleMania, and he noticed that AJ couldn't use the phenomenal forearm. Obviously, it was because Priest interfered, but Edge is so playing good as, wrestling stuff, basically. Yeah, Edge was playing as like I know she didn't use the phenomenal, pretending that it wasn't because of the Priest distraction, and now that's set up their WrestleMania backlash thing that he's going to target this weak spot. He's isolated the weak spot because he can see it from upon his mountain of omnipotence. You see. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'm an edge guy. Rest of it. Honestly. And maybe he's doing the mountain stuff because he's facing AJ. You think, oh, we're afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Rest of the toilet. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about this? I don't mind that at all. It's a good take from my esteemed colleague yeah. there. <laughs> rest of the garbage. Right. <laughs> Just that oh, bit. Yeah. Just that bit's good. <laughs> Imagine the wrestlers talking about right wrestling strategy. <laughs> buying big chairs and traveling around the country with them. <laughs> Then we got Veer Mahan in action. He was uh, facing... She's got the chair the entire show, like, between the backstage... And <laughs> yeah, because like, it moved, around. didn't it? He, he, yeah, yeah, she's, like, she's just got a chair. That's it. He's like, he's, uh, he's taking that with you. That's, that's on you, that edge. 
Oh, I can't borrow you on eight trucks now. No, you got oh, me. this chair. Yeah, I like it. I like him doing like eighty on it on the. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, Damien. <laughs> what was the network show they used to do where it was like uh, <laughs> the WWE road never ends and let's watch them buying a burger like that's a set of camera up on it. <laughs> they have to pay for their own travel. Yeah, like Edge's chair. He's got Damien Priest on. They're all like a freeway. Jesus Christ! Car <laughs> speeding past them. Am I good to merge, Damien? I can't see Edge. It's, it's these times are gonna make themselves. <laughs> chair pulls up to a water burger. Please bring a chair to the window. <laughs> they can't reach, can't reach the microphone bit. God damn it, this chair ain't got no cup holder. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, what the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Anyway, next we got Mia Mahan in action, uh, squashing some jobber called Sam Smothers, basically. He just wrecked <laughs> him, beat him up, 30 seconds, and hit him, put him with the uh, cervical clutch, as they're calling it now. Uh, post-match, rinse and repeat what we've seen from him a lot. Just beat him up, chucked him around, chucked him on the announce table, and uh, put him in the hold until he basically passed out. The name of his finish confused many a Redditor. It was fantastic. Yeah, that was that's my favourite thing every time. Isn't that a bit next to the pussy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As a real sex hammer, I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> but they're doing the the, the monster kills yeah. everyone week after week. I, doing the same with Walter Wheel and SmackDown. <laughs> twenty seven weeks or so of this, and then he gets an angle. Isn't that one of the other holes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bobby Lashley's warming up backstage, and Sarah Schreiber quite rightly says, "Why are you warming up like that?" When you've got an arm wrestling contest, and he goes, yeah, well, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so did I. <laughs> he said, I'm warming up just in case it's going to be a fight, basically. Um, and he says, he's confident and beating almost in an arm wrestle. And uh, then they have the arm wrestling match beforehand. MVP trash talks Bobby Lashley and talks about leaving him behind and going to WrestleMania without him. And so he's moved on to someone better than Lashley in every possible way, except almost lost the arm wrestle. Uh, <laughs> MVP was yelling at Lashley and he was sort of losing and then he was sort of winning and then he won. And then almost, oh no, sorry. And then Lashley celebrated and MVP faked 
attacking Lashley with the cane from behind. That distracted him. That allowed Omos to attack him and then just just basically just twat him with the arm wrestling apparatus table, basically. Like when your baby face is telling you exactly how it's going to go and you knew how it was going to go anyway and he still ends up like bitched on the mat. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, I can't believe this of all the eras when they've got so much time to fill wasn't the one where the heel like fakes out the first couple of tries. You know, they're normally like, oh, the thing's slippy or whatever. They've got stuff. videos now, mate. <laughs> it's got like straight to it. It's like, yeah, get the Can we hit him with a table, please? <laughs> yeah. Like they, they rushed through this quicker than I expected. It was a pro wrestling arm wrestling contest, and there surely cannot be anything else to say about that. They've done like, yeah, like either that or like MVP puts his hand on Omos's hand to like. Oh, watch it. Probably. But Brock Lesnar has made throwing furniture and Braun Strowman to a lesser extent, like really entertaining. The lesser extent is the lesser extent. Braun Strowman. I'm greatly controlling my narrative to a lesser extent. <laughs> um, I like they, when they throw furniture, it was really fun. Yeah. So there's now a bar that you've got to like sort of rise above to when you're throwing furniture, and it wasn't really above it. It's not even his bar. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it was just, he just sort of, I was like, I thought he was going to break the table over Lashley's back, yeah. and he just sort of just went mm. a few times. He, he can't be trusted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can be trusted to do things Maybe like that. Maybe it's like, you know how the com- the contract thing they use is always that marble one that isn't worked, so they always have to tip it rather than put somebody yeah. through it because it's rock-hard marble. <laughs> <laughs> Not this table. <laughs> Shinsuke, bump on that piano. <laughs> uh, next up, we had all the 24-7 bollocks. Skip. Oh, thank God. That's why I paused there. Yeah. yeah. Really? Really? I, look, I was like, what, you like this one? <laughs> right. But enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it. And this week's five star review review is brought to you by Wrestling Fan 420. It's not Wrestling Fan because he's put an E in there for some reason. Wrestling Fan 420. If you want your. This is the most radio you've ever been. Everyone like a radio, TV, partridge, maidly guy. Is such a cock to people who contribute to their show, well, their guests, the listeners. I will say this: do not, do not defend this man. Well, I'm going to get into why in a second. I don't want to read your review. Who invented the skip? Yeah. <laughs> who invented the skip? <laughs> if you want your name associated with a five star review review, all you need to do is subscribe to What Culture Wrestling. You give us a five star review and suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related. Or like Wrestling Fan 420, you can write: I've always listened to you guys on YouTube, but the dude complaining about WWE. If you don't like it, don't make your little previews for the shows. If you've got such a problem with it, you are Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Learn to spell. C- <laughs> See, and this is the reason why. Basically, I just wanted to. I didn't want to waste. We've got some great five star review reviews still in in the pocket. Yeah, this shouldn't encourage bad behaviour. By all means, slag us off in the reply box, but put five stars on because yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's all gimmicks by algorithms, and it always has been. So you know, I don't. We just, we just, <laughs> I just wanted to read something so we could get to uh, the thing that me and Michael Hamflit discovered yesterday that we're bringing to you, Michael Sidgwick, because it's you know a big Randy Orton celebration, and no one's going to say, "Can you talk about this really good Randy Orton segment?" <laughs> uh, so we discovered. The WWE top ten for Randy Orton's funniest moments. <laughs> funniest moments. Funniest moments in WWE. In fact, before we dive now, in, I know I might not be biased because, as we all know, Randy Orton isn't my favourite wrestler. But <laughs> surely he hasn't had many funny moments. Well, twenty years. You think you'd have some? Um, if you had to take a guess, because me and Hamlet were trying to work this out, can you uh, get any like three of these? 
I'll tell you right now as well, he does have the most viewed video on WWE's YouTube channel ever. But just, mm. that's not a funny moment. I'm not I'm not doing a bit here. But the guy legitimately has played this, like, laid-back, natural prodigy, intense guy, voices in his head, the IED stuff. Like, he's been sadistic, methodical, Randy Orton. Even when he's a baby face, he had an edge. He's done, like, house invasions. Goo. Goo. Like, he's just bollocks people for doing, like, mistime and blowing spots. And I was only able to come up with one, and it wasn't number one in this list. Yeah. They they deemed other stuff funnier than the one thing I could think of that Orton had done. He's done some stuff with RK Pro that if I wasn't right. totally dead inside of this company. You might have a job at WWE's YouTube <laughs> channel at this rate, because I'm going to do it. <laughs> Randy Orton's top 10 funniest moments in a 10. Randy Orton throws away Riddle's key. Remember that classic moment when Riddle was talking some bollocks and he went, zip your mouth shut, lock it, and I'm going to throw away the key in a bin. That's 10. That's the <laughs> funniest, funniest moment. 20 years. In at nine, Randy Orton slightly dances to the New Day's theme when they interrupt a promo. He literally, <laughs> I'm not joking, right? He's in the ring, in the ring with all, uh, in the ring with uh, Roman. Yeah. And it's a New Day. Yes, it is. Hits. And he goes, he sort of nods his head a bit and they go, boom, that's nice. Straight away. <laughs> I'm going to be nice. Randy Orton once put a comment on an Instagram post where Biggie was doing a workout, <laughs> and Randy Orton went, nice tits, bro. <laughs> it's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> In at eight, Randy Orton nearly kills the Sing Brothers of Backlash. Yeah. That was objectively funny. Yeah. But, like, the, the point we, so we watched this yesterday, I was like, yeah, that was really funny. We're all laughing. Orton is doing those, you can picture these faces Ooh. now. Okay, he says, yeah, he's going, oh, God, it's like, is it funny or is it like huge <laughs> professor going, uh oh, I think I broke his back? <laughs> They're like, even Triple H, and this is a man that has shrugged on camera in the past, didn't do that when he like pied him out of the ring and Orton like broke his collarbone or whatever it was. <laughs> Triple H didn't go, uh oh. <laughs> well, best drop the title to Jinder anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, where are we? In at seven, Randy Orton eats a cookie and says, ho, 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 in a Christmas beatdown of David Otunga. <laughs> Shut up, man. This is. You know those Halloween or Christmas fights where it's like a pumpkin on the head or whatever? <laughs> or or a, a strategically placed table yeah. with uh, sponsors food on it. Orton is, it's a Christmas fight against David Otunga on a Smackdown that you've watched once and never will ever again <laughs> in your fucking life. I don't think I've ever watched this. I've never seen this before in my life. Eats a cookie off an oven tray so he can hit Otunga with the tray. Um, there's a wreath hanging off the post. And he puts who's, the wreath. who's dressed up as a, an elf? Uh, like a twat. And Josh commentary. Matthews is an elf. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Mike, that's such a knobhead. He is. Michael Cole is a heel at the time, and he's like, hey, I made those cookies. And then Orton like, eats it, and he goes, well, maybe my wife did if you don't like them. <laughs> like, throw <laughs> yeah, her under the post. Yeah, yeah. Puts, the, puts the wreath on Otunga's head, throws him into the post, and then goes, ho, ho, ho. And like, Michael Cole pisses his hands <laughs> like, which I, which I think might be, you know how, to be fair, like the people have to go into WWE's archive looking for like very, not these ones, but like, I mean, these would be hard to find, Randy Orton funny moments. But you know when they find a specific clip where it's like matches like a literal lyric? And you're like, that, that is amazing how you found that. I wonder if they've got like Michael Cole's laugh as a search field, just find things <laughs> that were definitely unfunny that you want to tell yeah. people are actually hilarious. Anyway, uh, number six. 
Randy Orton wears a riddle wig. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically, it's the Goldberg with uh, gold dust scene, but just uh, recent with um, Randy Orton and Riddle. Riddle puts a wig on him, and Orton goes, like, looks up and looks angry. Oh, and then he her. goes, take that off me in three seconds. And he does. And he goes, don't do that again. <laughs> Number five. <laughs> Number five. Oh, God. Some of these, honestly, like... Like, it's an unfair comparison, obviously, but if you did, like, The Rock's top ten, it would probably be, like, ten minutes long because you want all the setup for, like, this is your life or whatever. It would just, you know, it's like Vicky Guerrero off in a promo or whatever. Um, number five is, I'm not joking, three seconds. And it, all it is is, you know, his draping DDT off the ropes that he does in every single match. Into the top five. Number five, Randy Orton pulls a face and cuts his ear before draping DDT and Drew. That's it. And even that, even Cole's just like, huh? Like once. One like, huh? Like, that's it. No, that's a top five right there. Number four, one of the only things you may have guessed. Number four, Randy Orton does a funny RKO on Mark Henry, then jumps in the air. Yes, the jumper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Christian. Everybody hated him because he'd taken the title off Christian straight away. And it was like, you prick. He prick. And he was like, no, watch me do this. Whoa. <laughs> Come on. And Christian hits, like, kicks Mark Henry. And he just goes like, whoa. <laughs> oh, bitch. That's it. Uh, number three, Randy Orton and Edge pretend to be DA. And Edge had the best material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Edge chokes on water and uh, Randy Orton does the Shawn Michaels pose and, oh, oh my bloody back. That's oh, it. My bloody back's gone. That's it. There is one, like, half, the, Randy Orton does a face, basically, <laughs> and he kind of, like, does this, because Shawn was obviously earnest God Shawn in, like, immature Triple H's in all the birds and like, but Sean Michaels loves God. That's the, <laughs> that's the only bird he. Hey, Sean, someone suck my cock. Do you want to get in on this? <laughs> uh, no, I like God now, uh, Paul. It's got, it's, like, it's got like a Bible, like stuffed in the Playboy. Like, <laughs> his chicks get on my cock. Want to get in on this? Uh, <laughs> Want to get on this mic? Hey, Hunter, we're fifty. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say at the beginning of this list? When we guessed, you said we said guess uh, some of your be his best moments. I can't remember now. He was, he was in RK Bro. Number two, Randy Orton wins a quiz ball for RK Bro because he smokes the doobies. And even then, as Hapler pointed out, botch the line. Like, the, he, basically, they're going like, oh, how many grams are in the house? Oh, I think I'm doing already, bro. Right? So all that sort of, all that sort of thing, right? And, and obviously, Randy's there. Uh, sorry, and then Riddle's like, man. I like the weed. I got this, bro. I got this, bro. Right, and Randy goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I got this. Because I also like weed. Well, he's meant riddle, to... Riddle, bear me that weed question. <laughs> he's meant to say, well, no. So he's like, Randy, how do you know how many grams are in an ounce? And what he says is, you think I'm the only one that bake, bake, bakes, bro? And it's like, no, the line is, you think you're the only one that bakes, bro, <laughs> to imply I'm a bit of a stoner, too. Anyway, uh, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 1, 3, 2, number one. What is the funniest moment? Ho, ho, ho. What's the funniest moment of Randy Orton's 20 years? 20 years with WWE. What is the ha, ha, ha. Roll on the floor laughing. What is the funniest moment? Number one. Randy Orton does a spin of Rooney. <laughs> Which, as you pointed out, I'm fairly certain, didn't happen on telly. I think it was a 
dark match thing, like, but after the show. I've seen CM Punk do one as well. I think yeah. it was the thing that said, oh, it's all baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, because there was, like, no finish in the main event. Send him over the result. No, take your pants off and do a spinner Rooney. Randy Orton does a spinner Rooney. CM Punk does a spinner Rooney. Undertaker, it's your turn. God damn it, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny you say that because it's time to go to the comment section once again these do not reflect the views of myself the daddy boys or any what culture wrestling but Mint right, Mint I'm talking about eating pussy but I'm not going to Mint right we've seen a Vince Rooney a Triple Rooney a Rocker Rooney and now a Randy Rooney they've all got balls except the Undertaker who's got no balls he's got no balls he's only eating pussy I never even heard of Boca T I never heard of Mick Foley either I just heard eating pussy I eating know. pussy and feuding with Kane <laughs> 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 oh, it gets booed in Knoxville. <laughs> so. oh. You are always on my mind, Kane. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, what else in the comment section got to say? Rue Vlog writes, Randy is one of, if not the most entertaining performers <laughs> in and out of the, the ring. <laughs> uh, Ahmed says, when I introduce Randy Orton to someone who doesn't watch wrestling, I say, just take a look at the Cristiano Ronaldo of wrestling, simply the best, Ooh. and then a goat emoji. Thoughts? He can't hit a free kick either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Justin Duncan wrote this five days ago. Uh, it's a lot like Gareth Barry, isn't he? Oh, <laughs> Solid, dependable, lots of longevity. Uh, Justin writes, the day he retires is the day the last bit of my childhood dies. <sighs> Who's your childhood heroes? I mean, Marty not Gennetti. Them, not them dead, to be fair. But, yeah. <laughs> Marty Gennetti, my childhood, died a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, Neil, oh, this made me laugh. Neil writes, it's sad. No one is there to compete with him now to make epic matches. Back in the days, he had epic matches. No one there. No one there now. That's the problem. They've got no talent anymore. Four of these clips are from 2020. Yeah. Like 2021, 2022 with Riddle. The guy who's going to fight in these great matches. Like the guy who was partly responsible for this hot tag that has given all the best matches he's ever had. Idiots. Thick idiots. Don't thick idiots, man. Thick idiots. Um, The S... Well, it's either the SBRA or the SBRA, uh, writes, Randy Orton is great. His face is similar to Elvis Presley, I think. <laughs> <laughs> to dig a bit deeper for that one, but I found it. <laughs> Blue suede trunks. <laughs> oh, let's talk about food again instead. You'll probably know this already, Cedric, but like, I only recently learned of the Elvis sandwich. Are you aware of this? Like the first kind of like big rock star flex of getting the sandwich flown from your, your home territory. Yeah. You've seen this? Is it like peanut butter's in it? Right. It's peanut butter and jam, but like a jar of each. What? Stuffed into a hollowed out, hollowed out tiger loaf. <laughs> and they would order like 40 at a time from his entourage to get flown into wherever he was. And that's like the Elvis. If you Google it, there's like obviously the place in probably like Tennessee or somewhere that is claiming that it's their original. You can get it. So it's not, it's actual jam and not Jelly. Jelly. I, mean, I, I think it's a jelly. It's but jelly, not, but they, that's what they're, they... They're jelly. They're not, they're not love, having a freeze-up load of jelly. I love that because you know what it made me think of is the day when Michael Hamlet becomes a hugely famous celebrity and all on his rider it just says toast. All it says, toast. Toast, cereal, crisp. Very, oh, I'll, very I'll solid. Also, I'll also die overweight on the toilet. 
Right, um, so as I said, I dug quite deep in the comment section for that. And guess what else I found whilst I was down there? Filth! Uh, okay. <laughs> How? I was going to say, there's no way you found filth on this. Oh, there's a great one. So the second, I mean, the second one is implied filth because it's, well, I'll get to that one. Instead, we'll start with sure you will. Uh, Northern Northern Sash. Once again, these do not reflect the views of my da- myself, Dadley Woods, or anyone at culture wrestling. Um, yeah, they all said views don't reflect my dad. <laughs> I'm sure they don't sure as well. Northern Sash writes, anyone notice how soft his tongue looks? <laughs> Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. When he licks his lips, I'm a lady, you know, and I know what I think about. I love the... What's, it, what's she implying there? I think it... Implies that it's going to give her a good time on the cunnilingus. Of <laughs> that, like, really, it's it's obviously this man playing a long game. Come on, fellow women, let's talk about women's things. Yeah. The cervical clutch, am I right? Uh, Taker MJCS fan, sort of finalizes finalizes all this. Fan of what? I don't know. Taker MJCS fan. The first one's bad enough. I can only assume <laughs> MJS is bad as well. Okay. Taker last, fan. Last one, and we'll get back to Manara. For good reason. Once again, not like This is going to get edited out. This, anyway, is, going no, to, this is going to get edited out. Take a take a rights. Nah, ladies, admit it. You had to change them because they were soaked after watching this video. <laughs> <laughs> you had to change them. Is M like uh, uh, apostrophe E M? Hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> you had to change them. They were soaked <laughs> after watching this video so many times. That's what you want, isn't it? Oh, I really want to... Oh, I need a strum here. Some, <laughs> some good Randy Orton. <laughs> Top 10 funniest moments, I think. So thanks to Wrestling Fan 420 for that one. I watched this video and there was spunk all over my hand. <laughs> Uh, do you want me to recap what happened with the 24-7 bollocks? Skip me and skip, doesn't it? Skip me and skip. And I, I want to skip the rest of the show now. We're never going to re- reach that height. Well, okay. Um, from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, because Becky Lynch came out next, and she was sad, um, because this was the first time in three years that she came out on Raw without her title. Uh, and th- it's been three years since anyone was able to beat her. Uh, she almost said she almost didn't want to appear tonight because uh, she didn't know what who she was without the title. She said, I've hit rock bottom. That's it. That's all I have to say. And she, wait a second, she has a moment. She realizes that if you hit rock bottom, that means, in the words of the Yaz and the plastic population, <laughs> certainly was. The only way is up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is the beginning of an epic Becky Lynch comeback. Yeah, I'm sweating through my jacket. <laughs> armpits. I'm yeah, so I've got soaked them all. Pop sweats, 100. <laughs> the fans are going to be lucky enough to witness it. She's going to, she's going to topple Bianca Belair and regain the championship and and hold it forever because no one could stop her. And then Asuka's music hits. She comes out. Becky Lynch freezes. And uh, Asuka does her unique entrance. Comes down to the ring. Takes off that mask of hers. Great to see her back in a WWE ring. And she says, I will stop you because no one is ready for Asuka. And she flicked, Vin- uh, flicked uh, Becky Lynch in the face. And Lynch takes a swing at her. Uh, and Asuka ducks that and swings back, and Becky Lynch has to bail out of it. Asuka's back, Michael Hamflet. She is. I like the character, Unraveling Champion. Um, it's genuinely interesting that she's not appeared on Raw without that title for that amount of time. You know, break, notwithstanding, it's, that's a cool thing to be able to say, and it's true, so that's helpful. So I like the character. I like the return of Asuka enough, and I like the outcome of all of this. Becky Lynch versus Asuka, just like, do we do, do, we do, do match graphics, but there's one. I'll have some of that. Um... 
almost undone by a really rotten performance by Becky Lynch. It's terrible. I don't mean to be like cruel to individual people on this show, but so often, always go back to it now. Elevate the bad material. This is half decent material. You're making it worse. Like this is decent pro wrestling stuff. Any pro wrestling company would be right to book this. Book that character completely falling apart, completely unraveling. What they're going to do next? How are they going to get like get things back rolling again? And instead, it's acting. She does this thing with the Baron Corman did it better. This <laughs> this fingers oh, did, huh? yeah, he did like Great. like a gimmick that got him over all over yeah. again. Is something brand new. She does this thing with the fingers in front of her face where she's like, oh, I don't know what to do. She started doing it. I don't know. I don't know, Adam. Enough stuff. There was a laugh. Did he catch it? You see this? Yeah, about this. <laughs> I, did, I did like the. I forgot. I forgot to mention in that review where she just realised. I'm paraphrasing. Do you know what my, my favourite bit was? Was when she said, uh, "You know, I've hit the bottom, and uh, and now I'm, 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 you know, the only way is up." And she talked about being like an arrow being pulled back on a string, and then she went pew, yeah. and I was like, "What?" There's a bit where she goes, "I just realised," <laughs> but it's just like. Why are they all cackling? Why is this the new WWE heel thing? I the, hate it so the, much. The Joker. Joker, baby. Yes, exactly. It's just, I hate it so much. They're all the Joker, baby. Yes. Bailey was the Joker, baby. <laughs> Seth Rollins was the Joker, baby. Now uh, Edge is a bit like the Fiendy, baby. And now Becky Lynch is also the Joker, baby. Can you imagine, speaking of babies, can you imagine like Rue's first word? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, the, the acting was atrocious. Yes. WWE doesn't tell stories. They give you a premise and that's it. Our returning star, she's back. It's like, why couldn't she be there booked well the whole time? She wasn't, I don't know. I, I wish I knew she wasn't injured. And they were just being very cheeky with going, hey, ask us back. It's just like, well, she was there the whole time, available for you to use, but you couldn't think of anything for her. So it's not like a big star return. If anything, you're telling me she wasn't enough of a star to put on your, <laughs> put on your program. Uh, anyway, the street profits are then backstage uh, and they do the shtick where they sort of recap what's gone on the show and uh, talk about Orton and they congratulated Bianca Belair, of course, on retaining her title. Uh, and then they mentioned the main event and then revealed per Postman Pierce that uh, after the uh, title unification match at WrestleMania Backlash, they are going to face the winners. Good. I'm glad. Yes. Was this something else dropped or am I just being a little bit impatient? I was under the impression that we were kind of had their heel turn and that felt like the, by being put back in the TV presenter's role a little bit here, was that to undermine that? Or were they kind of saying, no, we're still good, we're still good and then we're going to see a proper turn down the road. I've missed all this, what you're talking about? Down the line. Street yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't really know where they are because like you say, they seem to be in the build-up to WrestleMania being positioned as like, okay, you've got heels here, you've got baby faces here and you've got a team you're really not too sure about yes. with the Street Profits. They're kind of sick of RK Bros yeah. at this point, aren't they? And yeah. they're and sick of being sort of overlooked mm. with it all. So maybe that's going to feed into it, but I don't, I don't really know. I don't. This, think this is w the same show on which like Queen's Arena and Carmella just reunited. Yeah, yeah. So who cares? Uh, they, they don't. Finn Balor versus Damian Priest was next. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Like no, we got the wheelie throne um, that he you, you know came out on and moved towards it, and then it, he, that was always in purple light and what have you. And Damian Priest was announced as being a part of, or representing, I should say, Judgment Day. Mm -hmm. So that's apparently the name of this thing. Uh, Priest hit Balor with a razor's edge onto the apron. Sorry, does that mean that we're going to get, like, the, the pay-per-view might make a return, just because, uh, like, Edge or Damian Priest or whoever else joins the group is in a big, um, like, a big match on the show. And then there's going to be people saying, uh, have a call back to some of my favourite Judgment Day moments. Scene missing. <laughs> 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 Nostalgia for nout. 
Uh, yes, Razor's Edge on the apron takes us to a break. When we come back, Ballas fighting back, doing all of his flying around all over the place stuff. Uh, he counters one of Damien Priest's choke slams and cradles him for a near fall uh, and eventually gets him in position for the coup de grace, but then Edge stands up. So that's the big distraction. <laughs> Edge is in purple light and stands up. And Balor gets distracted, so uh, Priest hits him with a choke slam and a flatliner. One, two, three, uh, and then he goes back to standing on the, the throne with his dad. Uh, <laughs> Team, uh, the Judgment Day team, uh, and uh, yeah, that's that. God forbid Finn Balor be distracted by something stupid happening. Like, that's never happened I before. Thought is it? Was, <laughs> I thought with all the lightning bollocks, I went as soon as he went up top. I went, oh my god, they're going to do it again. It's going to be edged. Yeah, but they didn't. Thankfully, well, not thankfully because losing Finn Balor losing again. But <laughs> these two, I wasn't hugely grabbed by this match. In truth, I was laughing at Edge's chair, but they do have a certain hard hitting chemistry. Typically isn't for me. It's of Finn Balor's gritty, grimy NXT CWC champion run. Was it? I feel like I've referenced this match. They've had this match on Raw recently because I think I referenced it then as well. They had a bit of a ripper on, I think it was In Your House. In Your House. Yeah, like where they just beat the shit out of each other. And you see like the diluted versions of that in these Raw matches. And if it wasn't so bloody inconsequential, I think I'd almost find myself enjoying it. But now it matters. But they do hit hard. And I get a... Like just for a second, I'm jolted back to life by something that's a little bit stiff, and then it's gone again. And then it's like, let's look at Edge's big chair. I thought they worked together really quite nicely here. I enjoyed this match. Yeah. Not much substance to it. It was, it was them doing the match. And they had the history one. of the US title as well, I suppose. History, sure. Maybe, uh, maybe Finn will join the group. History. <laughs> it won't be Judgment Day, it'll be Demon Days. Uh, we got Miss TV next with Theory, which I thought <laughs> generally thought worked really well uh, in terms of just two arseholes just slapping <laughs> each other on the back, basically. Uh, he introduces Theory. They have a moment with the name stuff. They take a selfie together. Uh, Miz puts him over and says, you remind me of a young me, basically. And talks about, oh, I remember when the US title was this important. And Theory's like, oh, wasn't that when you were US champion? Oh, what a bloody coincidence that is. And Miz keeping his like LinkedIn in his pocket at all times. Because he can reference every achievement by every wrestler at any point. Yeah. They're just like, Miz, you've done that, haven't you? Yeah, three times back in 2007. Cool, yeah, mention it tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Theory said he looked up to Miz, planned to live, live up to his standards, and uh, he wants to prove he was the best investment Mr. McMahon has ever made. He's going to take this US title to new heights, as I said. Uh, there's all the what stuff. Theory just goes, oh, shut up. <laughs> I love the fact they just go, oh, shut up. And I'm kind of with them when they say that nowadays. Um, anyway, Miz has decided, though, he's, the reason he's got him on Miz TV, he's got to give him some advice. He says, look, when you become champion, everyone become jealous. Nothing pisses people off more than when handsome young trendsetters like you and I succeed. He said, everyone in the locker room is a parasite. Uh, and recent champions, they've just handed out title shots like crazy. Look, people need to earn the right to face there in the ring. You can't just come out and demand a title match. Then Mustafa Ali comes out and demands a title match. He is back, which is insane to think, considering where we were a few months back. Um, and yes, of course, they reference uh, the whole, you know, Mustafa Ali wanting to be released from WWE. He said, uh, Miz said, oh, do you still work here? And Theory says, aren't you the guy that took your ball and went home? And uh, uh, Ali says, oh, very funny, guys. Yeah, well, if I wanted to laugh, I'd watch Miz wrestle. Uh, and he challenged Austin, uh, challenged Theory, sorry, to a US title match for tonight. And the crowd were really excited about it. And Theory said, 
no. So Ali said, well, are you all biceps and no balls? Uh, and you, you're running away from a t- <laughs> fight like you're the bloody Miz. And uh, Theory says, hey, don't say that about the Miz. He's a future Hall of Famer. He'd never run away from a fight. And Miz would say, yeah, 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 I'm a bloody cool guy and I'll fight anyone. I'd love to embarrass you tonight, Ali. But you know what? I haven't got a magic wand. During this, by the way, Theory's on his phone. And I've got a magic wand to just make a match whenever I want. Theory, theory, quite, quite good comedic timing, I thought, goes, oh, I do. Yeah, I've just texted Mr. McMahon, and uh, he said, yeah, you can have the match right now. Uh, Miz obviously is furious with this, and uh, Miz tells Ali, I'm going to make you wish you got your walking papers. And then Ali just chinned him, basically. First of all, before we get to the match, your thoughts on the return of Mustafa Ali? Um, I'm going to parrot something from earlier on. I think a good version of a very, very bad thing um, Miz doing his, uh, I didn't come to work, dress for work, so have to work. <laughs> like, take his gear off, he's ready to wrestle. Uh, that's all always stupid, but I too got a bit of a kick out of the texting Vince McMahon and getting a match. Like, they might as well play with their demented rules. Yes. And that's one of them. That's how you use it. Quite enjoyed that. Felt a little bit sad for Ali, if I'm honest. Um, he, w- he presumably, when he asked for his release and then all that stuff happened, imagined that he would be gone and he would be of a folk hero, wherever it was he turned up. Um, instead, he's returned to WB, but there is still sometimes a window for people to be folk heroes, even if they stay. It completely, we've seen it happen before, where it can transform careers because you've colored outside the lines. Vincent Mann has gained a respect for you that he didn't have before, and they use you in a different way. And he just felt like the only thing he'd returned from was six months working on main event. It wasn't like this legitimate career purgatory he'd found himself in. It was just, I can't get an opportunity on Raw. And I was really, again, like, I felt like the fans wanted to be with him. And then there was no noise really for his zingers and for the the lines because it didn't really feel like there was a there was an act to back here. There was nothing. He didn't give you that much to get behind on this big return. And if they're not going to acknowledge, and why would they? The reasons why he's been off TV for so long. I don't think the fans are ever going to feel that for him. Uh, it fell f- completely flat for me. Don't begrudge him for sticking around. Absolutely fair play. Personal circumstances can change, but like the verbiage, like W. WWE has kind of admitted that The Miz isn't the best technically accomplished, mechanically gifted professional wrestler for at least 12 years at this point because this is the exact same material that Daniel Bryan had when he first arrived on the scene. So that's a we- another weird WWE self-own that I just kind of hate. To tell us what I'm watching is good and worth my time. It's one. Th- it's, a, it's, a, it's a meta insult, isn't it? Like, oh, you're crap at wrestling. Oh, well, why have we watched him for nearly two decades? Who <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Uh, well, he was in action next against Mustafa Ali, um, and he was in control, and then Ali comes back and, and hits all of his signature stuff, spinning kick, chop, rolling neck break, he gets a two count. Miz fights back and hits that DDT of his, he gets a two count off that. Uh, Ali goes up top, and Miz shoves him off the top, and he sort of tweaks his knee, so then Miz targets that, and he's trying to go for the figure four, and he's, he's setting up for it, I think, a second time. And Ali reverses it into a cradle for the pinfall victory. Big news came post-match, so Ali celebrates, goes up the ramp, and as he's posing at the top of the ramp, he is jumped by Champa, not Tommaso Champa, Champa, who was presumably turned heel after his brief chat backstage that we saw him the last time for. It was quite a brief, weird thing again, this with Champa, Tommaso Champa, because when they introduced him, they were just like, oh, here's Tommaso Ciampa. Anyway, enough of that guy. Let's talk about this other feud. And this one, they just had the return of of uh, Mustafa Ali. You have his return match. He wins. And then he gets jumped by Ciampa. And they go, oh, bloody hell, it's Ciampa. And then they just cut away really quickly. It was strange, this. Yeah. I can't possibly care. 
two wrestlers, the age profile and style of which means that they aren't possibly going to get behind them, work on the sort of thing that would have been tits in like 2016, but it's not 2016 anymore. Yeah, I think you're on the right lines there with the character we would expect. Somebody that wants, because he's kind of been there or thereabouts on Raw for a few months now. It's not He's not like just arriving, is he? He had the stuff with um, Dolph and Braun and all that kind of thing. I think they're going to want him to whinge about the fact that all these other people are around on Raw, lean on Cody, the big the big names that people actually care about. The, the old uh, Tony Nese character. Yeah, to why he's not been given the opportunity. Um, but they'll they'll drop it because they're not that they're probably not that bothered about him. Or no. they'll put him with. I dropped his first name. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that they had this and then immediately followed it with Rhea Ripley. So I just thought with the whole Judgment oh, yeah. Day stable, maybe that's a little clue. Yeah, possibly, possibly. But yeah, three big, big returns in terms of Lynch, Asker, and 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 Mustafa Ali, and just like you say, this third one just felt a little bit mm. collector's item. I'm going to put something related to Edge over here on a conditional if they follow through with my idea. Mm-hmm. Basically. <laughs> Rhea Ripley's verbiage was not unlike what Judgment Day have been, the bollocks they've been spouting, except a little bit more clear. Mm, yeah, she said she finally opened her eyes. She talked about arriving on Raw. And so she says clearly. When she arrived, she won the title on her own, uh, but then she's had to had tag teams and teammates, and everyone just dragged her down. Uh, and now she was, you know, yeah, again, sort of finally seeing what she needed to do here on Manonara. And then in comes Liv Morgan, and they brawl, and they have to be separated. I've just thought of a really good joke, but I haven't worked out the order of it. So I'm not going to discuss what you've just said. I'm going to put the keywords into my draft notes. <laughs> because I've got something here. I've got something here. I thought this is fine. Uh, they'll have the match at WrestleMania Backlash. Rhea Ripley will win. Again, right, if this is all to lead to her joining the stable, which, you know, we'll, we'll presume that it is, because it's more fun to speculate than it is to analyse sometimes. Um this is better than what we saw last night because mm. it's building into something that forms a bigger picture. But how often can you trust and rely on the bigger picture? Mm. That's that's permanently the problem. But if one thing serves the other, mm. I can I have no problem with this. Let it play out, absolutely. D- I, I, I agree. I Becky sorry. Lynch, Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, hello. So goddamn specifically didn't use those words, you piece of shit. <laughs> right, uh, next up we had... Make the notes. <laughs> we had... Uh, Owens and Chad Gable backstage. Uh, Chad Gable arguing about payment, I believe, for uh, the uh, the lie detector the previous week. Uh, Owens still didn't want to pay him. There's back and forth. Rollins interrupts and gets a good old-fashioned, shush, shush, please. And he says, this is an A-plus and B conversation, so why don't you see your way out of it? And Owens brilliantly goes, just call me B. Uh, and so he, he buggers off Chad Gable, and, uh, and then uh, you've got Owens and, and Rollins there, and there's all this argument and what have you. In come the Usos, who say, you know, everyone should get in line, the bloodline, that is. Um, you know, you don't want to be on Roman Reigns' bad side, and Rollins does his I laugh. don't want to be on Roman Reigns' show. Raw's tons better than SmackDown. The Usos felt like, like sort of like loose pricks at a wedding compared to these actual <laughs> characters that have done things that I've been interested in for the last six months. Raw's great compared to SmackDown. I've constantly been thinking that while I've been talking about it today. It's like... Doesn't I feel like a sludge getting through the two-hour show compared to the three-hour one with some actual, fair enough, half of them are clowns, but, like, characters that are up to stuff. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds crap. <laughs> That's what the segment told me. I've been you this for 84 years. <laughs> uh, 83 weeks. Yeah. The SmackDown <laughs> Review Podcast. <laughs> Rollins, anyway, Rollins laughs at all this from the U shows. They leave, and Rollins goes to put his arm around Owens. Uh, Rollins goes to put his arm around Owens to be like, oh, what are they bloody like, eh? And Owens is like, no! <laughs> what is this? He's like, Kev! Come back, Kev! 
Again, I'm just elevating quite basic stuff, but yeah, they're great. I like them all. I, I don't mind watching all of these people. Apart from the ACLs. Kind of bored of them. Yeah. Uh, I talked about three huge returns on this show. We got another one because we haven't seen him for bloody ages. It's Kevin Patrick. <laughs> he's, uh, he's backstage with MVP. I wondered why you were treating yourself to more of that with Becky Lynch and Finn Balor, and then it just hit me. I was like, just where's, where's, where's Big Kev been the rest of the yeah. show? Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's interviewing MVP and Omos, and MVP says the arm wrestling challenge wasn't about brawn, it was about brains, and he showed Lashley why he's nothing without him. And, uh, yeah, Omos challenged Lashley to a match at WrestleMania Backlash. So another rematch added to the show. They're piling up, aren't they? They're stacking those. Five now we're at? Uh, I think so. I mean, it, I mean, to be fair, that is the sort of legacy of, I mean, generally, Backlash, let alone WrestleMania Backlash. It's always used to be... All right, you won the title off me, but can I have another go? But, but the thing is, and we've said this about a few of these rematches, do your 50-50 this and then drag it to Hell in a Cell as well. That we've said they are doing nothing before these stadiums because they can't afford to give the matches away. Yeah, I hope not. Not with this, Could be a few least. best of threes. Goodness me. the gag. <laughs> you got it. I haven't worked out the, the word one. I've got a second one as well. Oh, brilliant. So okay. I, this is conditional on, like, a debate that I think is going to happen very soon. I've got a I've got a good... This is like conditional pre-tweet teasing yeah. based on discourse that might emerge. Yes. It levels this game and you're at the very fucking top. <laughs> you're on the mountain of omnipotence looking down on the rest of us. If people, your chair's got the wheels on it. If people want to follow you, where would they find you on Twitter? At M. Sidgwick. And you, Hamlet? Michael Hamlet. There you go. Anyway, main event time. Oh, you should after. I uh, know. Nearly so, there. Uh, main event time. Uh, some of those, uh, the last two minutes of this were good. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. Your stomach started hurting because it's like, this is the bit where I really start to get hungry. And yeah. now I've got to do another five minutes of yeah. raw stuff. Cody Rhodes, uh, Ezekiel, and RK Bro versus Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and the Usos. And yeah, it was like you sort of say, it was a, a maybe a bit like a house show main event, a bit like a post-WrestleMania main event for that exact reason in terms of the story they told was 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 kind of obvious from the beginning, but I still kind of popped at the end, especially the conclusion. Like you say, we have uh, Orton and, and uh, Cody Rhodes working together early on, relying upon that history. Usos come in, they take over and uh, beat down Cody Rhodes, and in comes Rollins when Rhodes is really at his worst to try and take advantage. But Rhodes fights him off, and in comes Ezekiel. He hits Rollins with a jumping knee and a spine buster. Riddle comes in, uh, and then Jimmy Uso attacks him from behind, uh, and Rollins manages to hit him with that great sort of reverse superplex thing from the top rope. It's a lot of Riddle getting beat down as we go through an ad break since then. And uh, he's try- I was desperately trying to get to the tag, but the Usos or someone else comes in and, and either cuts Riddle off or knocks the person he's about to tag from the apron off the apron. Um, Owen hits a senton on uh, Riddle. That gets a two count. But finally, Riddle manages to get over in his corner and bring in Randy Orton to a huge bib on his 20-year career celebration night, of course. Uh, he hits back suplexes to Jay Uso, to Rollins, uh, and to Owens, all onto the announce table. And he uh, eventually gets around to hitting uh, Jay Uso, I believe, with a draping DDT. And then it is just, just all the hits, basically. So everyone tr- comes in to try and get involved uh, Rollins gets hit with a disaster kick by Rhodes, who then gets RKO'd. Uh, Ezekiel chins Owens, and he turns round into an RKO. Riddle uh, gets Jimmy Uso up for an assisted RKO, and then Jey Uso is climbing the uh, turnbuckle. You can all see what's coming. I even audibly said, do the thing, Randy! And Jey Uso comes off with a flying nothing, effectively. Oh, God. People to- will go on, sorry, and on and on about how Uso's better. Whatever you like, try and put over the young bucks for being great. Who's better? 
Um, just do stupid no psychology nonsense with super kicks. I want to do more super kicks than the young bucks actually. And uh, yeah, well, where's the psychology? What's what's the logic behind this? Uh, this finish that Jay also attempted here. He just flew into an RKO, man. Stop being arseholes, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, uh, RKO on Jay Uso. One, two, three, and uh, the baby faces all stand tall to to, to send a really quite enjoyable Monday Night Raw. The trick, with, the trick with the Randy Orton hot tag isn't just that it's like super effective because tag team wrestling is super effective, and it's funny that Vince McMahon will realise that in the context of getting Randy Orton over twenty years after trying it. <laughs> um, it's the Raw, especially because it's three hours. But this is a SmackDown problem too. We've identified this a lot lately. It's no longer like an audio visual experience because the crowds are really quiet. So you get loud crap like that. Elevate. This was a, a perfectly fine match. It was like really, really fun throughout, and it got good in places. But you kind of see the. I thought it was quite boring at certain points. Well, you could see what was going to happen yes. before it happened, so I could understand why you maybe didn't necessarily enjoy it that much. But I, the, like the live crowd were fully engaged because you just want to see all the people do the signature stuff and then get out of there. This was one of the only times where this crowd were actually rewarded for the price of their ticket. And I think that, for me, anyway, from a viewing point of view, it really helped because the matches, as much as there's often good work or great wrestling, capital G, capital W, I find it really great hard. Wrestling. Greatly. The German style, the Mexican style, Lucha style. I find it really hard to engage with it because the fans in the building aren't, and we're back we're back at the pandemic, but it's just like those early Premier League games, the painted fans in the background. Oof. And this, at least, brought the people in, and I was just happy to have that. Mm. Well, it was me. I thought, how long was this match? 12 minutes? Yeah, 10 were boring. 15 minutes, probably. 12 were good, and the three were... 12 were kind of boring, kind of there. It was like, I saw like a rest hold get applied within nine minutes, something where you can't do a spot first. <laughs> and then Randy Orton comes in to save the day. The Randy Orton and Cooley stuff was great. But people don't like it when you compare X wrestler and X promotion to Y wrestler and Y promotion. But when Y wrestler used to work for X promotion... The comparison is there because it's like, oh, well, that's what I liked about this wrestler. This wrestler I've seen operate better in similar situations. Remember when it was full Codyverse stuff and this weird thing with Pac where they were kind of mates but not, and Andrade and Malachi Black were mates for some reason. It was a total mess. They had that mess at full gear, and then they had this total banger when they added FTR and Lucha Bros to the mix, an eight-man tag. Mm. Watching Cody operate in that eight-man tag environment to this was like, oh, you, you are in two different promotions now, and this is the first kind of glimpse I got of that. I would say Cody and Seth should be grateful that they're not in a stadium for their rematch because with all of the surprise factor and the weirdness and the, the awesome weirdness taken out of the Cody debut, I, I think that would be the technical match to tank if WrestleMania Backlash was in a big building. I've got, I wouldn't say I'm worried about it particularly, but... Don't set your expectations above four stars for the rematch because yeah. I'm not so sure they've got it in them. That had a different, unique magic to it. Yeah, yeah they the do. Yeah, and they've kind have. of done. I mean, Andy, we were talking about this on the news today. They've kind of done everything. It's just yeah, Cody's like Cody's got them in him, and so is Seth. To be fair, actually, to be fair, both of them together and in this context, I'm not sure. Mm. 
Well, let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch they can follow all three of us. As I said, you can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back later on today to look ahead to NXT 2. But, oh! But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 